You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. So because of that, we want to put a cap on the so that. And I hope and pray that as you study God's word, that for the last four weeks, you kind of got it in your mind that as you read and find a so that, that it's almost something you start circling or you start highlighting. Because throughout God's word, there's a lot of amazing promises. And most of those promises are followed with two words, so that. And it's one of those things that, you know, kind of what launched this was in our previous series with the comeback series, where it says that God comforts us so that we can comfort others. Like it's God's way of putting a catalyst in your life because God does want to bless you. We talked about that last, last week. Please go listen to that podcast. There's three main things we want you to burn into your mind. God is with you. God is for you. God wants to bless you. But there's a reason why. And it is because he's in love with you. But there's also more to it. There's a so that. And so today I want to put a cap on that so that and kind of give you the, the bigger picture. It's going to seem a little bit to where we started in week one, but it's the cap that kind of puts it all together. And so I look forward to doing that. If you have your Bible, if you're on your phone or a tablet, please do me a favor. Turn to John, John chapter 21. We're going to hit a few places, but there's this concept of, of what God's doing, even with his word. Like, if you ever ask the question, why do we have a written God's word? Have you ever asked your question, maybe this is just me because I overthink everything, but like why? Like, I mean, what, what is the purpose? Like the Gospels. I mean, it's awesome to have a, a record of that and to be able to study that, but is there something more that there's a, an intention behind God's Word? What if I told you there was an answer that's straight out of God's Word? You want me to read it for you? It's John chapter 20, the very end of it, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Now I just want to pause for a minute. You need to understand that when you read God's word, they did not share every single thing. This is not a minute by minute, here's every possible thing that God ever did in himself in Jesus. But this is what it's talking about. Listen to these words, they are so powerful. Now, Jesus did many other signs. This is the things that weren't written down, but listen to what he says. In the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, and then here's the so that, so that you may believe. See, there's an amazing concept, and I'm not going to dive completely into it, but this scripture is following up the story of doubting Thomas. Yeah, I, I kind of feel bad for the disciple Thomas because he, he kind of got a bad deal. I mean, he, he questioned, and for the rest of his life, and even after his death, he's like known as Doubting Thomas. But it's because he was the one that says, hey, you know what? They come and say, hey, we've seen Jesus. Jesus is alive. And he says, you know what? I will not believe until I, I touch the marks in his hand or until I put my hand in his side. It's, it's the previous verses. See, Thomas had a belief issue. He's like, you know what? I'm having a hard time believing what you're saying. I need to see it with my eyes so that I can believe. In fact, can I read? I'll just read a couple. It won't be on the screen, but let me just read it very quickly. This is Thomas speaking to the disciples. He said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails 
and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Ironically enough, last week I talked about a tupas, a mark. It occurs one other time in Scripture. Guess where that's at? Right there. The mark in his hand is the Greek word tupas. Where I said, make sure that you live a life of obedience that makes the, his death worth it. And that's what he's talking about. Unless I touch that mark, unless I see it. But listen to how he ends this at the last verse. He says, this is Jesus speaking. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, you have God's word in the gospels because God understands it's hard to have a belief in something that you've never seen. Like he's actually challenging Thomas like, okay, yeah, you, you saw me, now you've touched me, you've put your hand in my side and you believe, like, who couldn't do that? Anybody can believe when they touch and they feel and they see. It's, it's called the first stage of your cognitive development. It's called the concrete stage. What does that mean? Like you can believe in things that you can touch and you can feel and you can see. See, all of my early ed people in here, they're right now going, mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's the reason why with children, the game Pickaboo is so amazing. Because when they're a baby, if they don't see you, they, they pretty much forgot about you. I mean, literally, here's the cognitive concept. Pickaboo, I got a dad. Whoop. I ain't got a dad. Pickaboo. I got a dad. You know, they're like, ha, ha. I mean, literally, unless they see it, unless they can put their hands on it, the concrete side, they don't believe it. But then you start moving with maturity where you start understanding that, you know what? There are a lot of things out there that I don't put my hands on, that I don't see, but I can have faith and I can believe. Then here's the key. Listen to this. Because I've seen the effects of it. I want that just to burn into your mind for a minute. Because we're going to come back to that at the end. Sometimes you can have a major belief and understand something, not because you've touched it, not because you've held it, not because it's this concrete thinking. I say, hey, this is real. I can have faith and believe in it because I've seen the effects of it. That is the catalyst behind the Gospels. That's the catalyst behind God's Word. It's God's way of putting his word into a written form through inspiring people who he directed their hand, every stroke, every letter, every accent. It is something you can trust. It's the inerrant word of God. It's infallible. And he says, and this is a record so that you can see that this is real. See, all of us have a belief issue. And, and this is going to sound a little bit like Yoda. But you know... In Scripture, in James, James chapter 4 to be exact, it talks about this belief issue. It's the concept that you have not because you ask not. Now, depending on where you're from, some people will leverage that almost with this prosperity, health, and wealth gospel, which I totally disagree with and do not find in God's Word. Because if you read that first part of chapter 4 in James, and we're not today, but you can go back and study it. It's the first three Scriptures four, one through three, it's talking about why you fight, why you quarrel. Because you covet something and can't have it. Because you desire something and can't have it. And then it talks about that the reason why you can't, in verse three, 
is because you have a belief that, that you don't know that you can obtain those things or you have the wrong motives. You're wanting something for your own passion, not for what God wants to do in your life. You can go back and check me on that. But that's one of our issues. We have a belief issue. Because worst of all, we don't know what to ask for. Or number two, we ask with the wrong motives. But the bigger thing is, with the so that life, why don't I have that? Because for some of you, I want you to listen to me. Especially you guys online, listen to me. For whatever reason, something's happened in your life. And you don't believe you deserve it. Like you don't believe that God wants something more for you. Like you feel like because of something that you have done or something that has happened or a decision that you've made that it disqualified you from having a so that life. I want you to know there's nowhere in scripture that that's there. And you need to hear me very clearly. As we put a cap on this series, I want you to understand that in this series, God's desire is for all of you, including me, to have something more with life. You say, well, Mickey, that sounds great. Like that kind of, wow, borderline emotional. Yeah, that's awesome. Where is it at in God's word? Well, I'm glad you asked. Can I keep reading? Listen to what it says. It says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. There's the key. The Son of God. Then listen to what it says. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, even with the scriptures and the things that he's written, he understands that you have a belief issue. And because either you lack belief in yourself, you lack belief in God, or you lack belief in just what does it look like, we understand that what he is saying is, you know what? I write these things because I want you to have, and I'm going to paraphrase this, a so that life. You say, what does that life look like? Well, it actually was the very first week we started this series. Where he talked about John 3, 16, and he did that so that you may have eternal life. See, he wants you to have life past this earth. But in John 10, 10, he also said, but I also want you to have life more abundantly on this earth. See, he wants you to have a life on earth and after this earth that is abundant and more. You say, well, Mickey, who doesn't want that? I think everybody. But that's a follow-up question to that, right? So why doesn't everybody have that? I'm going to give you two things today, two simple things, and then we're going to be done. Two simple things that cause people to never get to that belief. Like they have a belief issue and they never get to the so that life because of two simple things. The first thing is coming along with your belief. It's in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. You can turn there. It'll also be on the screen, but you can turn there in your tablet or whatever and listen to what it says. There's a confidence issue. Going back to what I said a minute ago, some people really, really struggle. And, I mean, if there was one thing that I feel God has called me to as a pastor is to come alongside you and let you know that God still values you. You are worth it you did not disqualify yourself because of a decision that you made in the past like like i am the monkey 
it, in the Lion King, I stop and pause and start laughing in my head when I just call myself a monkey. But I am that monkey that's got the stick that's smacking you on the head saying the past is something we learn from, not that we live in. God has something more for you. But the crazy part is the hardest thing as a pastor, number one thing, is when you desire something more for someone than they desire for themselves. And my biggest calling is to come alongside you with a vision and with a passion to let you understand that God has something more than what you're willing to probably accept right now because for whatever reason, you have a confidence issue. You don't feel like you're qualified. Can I help you with that? God's blessings are not based on qualifications of what you've done. Scripture is very clear that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, every single one of us are in the same exact situation. No, we're not this wicked, wicked, bad people, wicked, wicked, wrong. This is so terrible. We're so, God doesn't look at you like that. That's the way Scripture describes you to make sure that you understand that you need a relationship with God. But God does not look at you like that. God looks at you and says, Mm, buddy, I want a relationship with them, and I will do whatever it takes to have a relationship with them, so much so that I will take the form of a baby, I will take the form of a man, I will live a perfect life, I will die on a cross through my son Jesus Christ, I will raise from the dead, so that through me, my son Jesus, you can have a relationship with me. Not only that, but when Jesus leaves, even though he's coming back, I love them so much that I'm also going to leave my spirit with them so their spirit can dwell in them because I want them to know that I am with them, I am for them, and I want to bless them. But the biggest thing that most of you guys struggle with, including myself, is you say, oh, but Mickey, if you only knew. You know, there's this addiction. There's this previous marriage. There's this thing in my skeleton in the closet. Can I help you? Listen to what God's word says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Can I just pause for a minute? He's not talking about pride. He's not talking about arrogance. He's talking about confidence. You say, confidence in what? Confidence that God has something for you. That he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. It's the Mother's Day message that we talked about a few weeks ago, that moms are amazing. Why? Because they don't have confidence in you. They have confidence in a God that he's not done with you yet, no matter where you're at on the spectrum. No matter how great everything's going or if all hells broke loose in your life. God has something for you. And he says that confidence that you have in him, it actually is a reward. It's going to bring about a reward. You say, what's that reward? Well, it's the answer to the so that life. Can I read the next verse? For you have need of endurance. See, your confidence is going to help you endure. Why do I need to endure? Listen to this, so that. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Most people never get to all the promises that God has for one reason. And one reason only. They quit. 
There's something in their life that makes them go, you know what, I, I just, I don't deserve that. Well, if we're basing everything on deserve, then we're all overachievers. Like if you woke up and took a breath today, you're an overachiever. Because the wages of sin is death. And so to take a breath, guess what? You've overachieved. You say, why did I take a breath? Because the free gift is life that comes through Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is what? The life. And so I want you to know that a part of this moving forward with the so that, as we put a cap on this today, is I want you to move forward with confidence, not arrogance, not pride, but confidence that, number one, you can believe that God has something great for you. You say, Mickey, why? Because he does. You can have confidence in that. See, the number one reason why most people struggle with the so that life is they lack confidence in themselves. The second thing is in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Very, very, very familiar verse, but Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which talks about the aspect of your spiritual act of worship, and it says this. You ready? In verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So just for a second, let's pause. Like the other thing, not only do you sometimes lack confidence, but the other thing is, because you lack confidence, you know what you'll do? If you're human, if you're like me, because I lack confidence, I'll conform to what other people say is best for me. It's the old cliche that the grass is greener on the other side. I had an older gentleman that one time told me, he said, Mickey, you know what? A lot of times that's true. You know why? I'm going to paraphrase what he said because I'm on this stage, he said there's a whole lot of manure. There's a whole lot of fertilizer. You can fill in the blank there. He said that's the reason why it looks greener on the other side. But you, go, you cross that fence and you get in that field and you start realizing, you know what, it's really just a whole bunch of... This is what God's talking about. He's saying, you know what? Have confidence. And what I'm calling you to do, have confidence in me, have endurance, because that's going to help you to receive the promises I have for you. But also, because of that confidence, make sure that you don't conform to the world. And then listen to what he says. Here's how you can do that. He said, so do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then here's the so that. So that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, that word testing is a very curious word in the Greek. It doesn't show up a whole lot, but what it's talking about is actually the aspect of trying or trial. It's the aspect of, of not testing God, but testing some of the commandments of God and putting it in your life and saying, you know what, I'm going to judge its worth by based on what it does. So if... One of them is, I comfort you so that you can comfort others. Well, you know what? I'm going to try that. I'm going to test that. I'm going to see if this works. And I'm going to look and see the way that I comfort others, if it brings about more comfort in my own life and fulfillment in my own life. And what it's saying is, is that by testing and trying and doing these things, that you're going to find out for yourself 
what is the good, perfect, pleasing will of God. You're going to grab what it is that's this so, life, so that life. And here's what's, what's really cool to me. Is, is as you're thinking through this, the one word that I want you to, to really dwell on over this next week is the aspect of discernment. See, in both of these situations, there's, there's usually two ways that you start to gain knowledge of what, what God wants or what life looks like. And both of them usually result. Either one, you've experienced it, like you've gained discernment because you've actually done it. You know, one of my little phrases I say a lot is, you know, experience is what you get about 10 minutes after you need it. There's, you can learn that way. You know, that, that was me <laughs> putting in a, a, a washing machine one time at my house. And I was like, hmm, I, I wonder how powerful this thing is. And I turned that little nozzle, and I was like, holy moly, we went from like, like everything's dry to we have a 10-foot pool in about 30 seconds. You know, and I had a little bucket that I was going to block it with that got knocked out of my hand and shot across the room, and I was soaked. You know, and they, needless to say, I was like, hmm, not going to do that again. There's one way to get discernment through your, your mess-ups, through your struggles, but there's also a second way through petitioning God and gaining wisdom. We don't have it here, but you can go to 1 Kings and 1 Samuel, and here's what's really cool. Do you know that this is the way that King Solomon ends up being led to be the wisest man that ever lived? It started with his father, King David, praying for him. And what he prayed, and you can go back and check me on this, he prayed, he said, said I pray for you that God would give you discernment in building his temple. And it was through that that he placed in his life that later on when he's given the option to give, you know, hey, I'll give you whatever you want. What do you want? And he prays to God and he says, I would like wisdom. See, he had discernment. One of the things that my prayer for you, and I want you to start praying for yourself because it's a spiritual gift. God, will you grant me the gift of discernment? Will you grant me the ability to be able to look at things and through your word and to have discernment and know this is the path that you want me to go. These are the things that you desire for me. Why is that important? Because it's going to save you a whole lot of skin. Like most of the time, you can look back now. You hear us older people say this. Boy, if I'd have known then what I know now, I would. And I laugh because I'm like, no, you wouldn't have. Because at that stage, you thought, you know, hey, now this is going to be great. But it's one of those things that discernment is a powerful thing. And one of the ways you get this discernment is through not conforming. But through, through testing God's word. Not testing God, but testing his word. If his word is truth, and I apply it to my life, and I experience it in my life, then that will allow me to move forward in my life with godly attributes in my life. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If those are fruits of the Spirit, then wouldn't it make sense for those things to be a part of my life and fruits in my life? So why don't I start to test those things? How about I try to say, okay, I'm going to see what this is like. I'm going to check this and see if this 
really is everything. I'm going to start learning how to discern things. See, those two things, your confidence and your conformity, are going to direct your so that life. You say, what's the importance of all this? Well, the importance of all this is actually back in John. The very end of John, I want you to listen to these words. It's verse 25. He says, now there are so many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Now, a lot of times we don't ever read that scripture, do we? But what John is saying is, you know what? If we were actually to compile in the Gospels everything that Jesus did, there's not enough books that would fit in this world that we live in. But yet we know that one reason why we have God's word is so that we can believe. So that people like Thomas can see the effects of this life. And all this for one, mom, one moment. The so that life is really geared around one concept. We may not have millions and millions and millions of books to fill up this world. But you know what God does have? Millions of people. See, your catalyst, your confidence, your ability to not conform adds another story that talks about the power and the grace of God and how you not only have a so that life, but how somebody else can believe and have a so that life. See, there are so many people that are out there that just want to know that yes, God wants to have a relationship with you too. Yes, I have done some of the things that you have done, and God has forgiven me, and God has been gracious, and God has given me more. Yes, you can get past this. But most people don't see that, do they? I got to be real careful when I get on some of this stuff because I can get myself in trouble. But does it bother you when you talk to people about God's church when they have nothing but negative to say? Oh, well, that place is a bunch of blank, and those people are like blank, and oh, I know blank. And like, at what point do we say, you know what? I'm going to leverage my life to change the reputation. Not that I'm perfect. Not that I'm going to live this legalistic life and, oh, one day you may be as good as me. No. That I'm going to jump right in the middle of this world, warts and all. Warts and all. As Paul said, I'm the greatest sinner of them all. But by grace, through Jesus, he saved me. And when that happened, it changed everything. I started to put his attributes in my life, and I had confidence in who he was. I started to have self-control and say no to some of the things I used to say yes to, because I said I'm not going to conform anymore. I've said this before, and I'll say it over and over and over again. Your relationship with Christ is not based on a legalistic approach of do's and don'ts. Your relationship with Christ is based on love and grace, and it's based on just everything that you can do. 
I had somebody this week that made such a powerful statement. He said, with everything going on, there's a lot of negatives we could focus on when concerning this COVID-19 virus. He said, but we're going to choose to not focus on all the negatives and the no's. We're going to focus on all the things we can do. And I thought, that works. Like, what if in our life, rather than focusing on all the things that we feel like we've been limited or can't do, what if we focus on all the things we can do? I'll give you a little heads up. You don't have enough hours in your day. Because you're going to start realizing, you know what? God's got a lot that you can do. For some of you, you're going to see God open up doors in leadership that you didn't even know you had the ability to do. You're going to see him giving you gifts and, and abilities that you thought, who knew? You're going to see him giving you forgiveness and leveraging your story to empower somebody else so that they can have a story. Did you catch that? You're going to see him giving you love and grace and forgiveness and establishing and reestablishing your story so that it can be leveraged for somebody that right now doesn't have a story. And that is what the So That Life is all about. It's so that you can live and that those around you can understand how to live. Listen to me. That's the catalyst of the So That. If I had to sum it up in one word, You'll know when you're moving forward in the so that life because you're going to become contagious. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.